Hey, welcome NHL hockey fans. It's that time again, time for another edition of Talking Hockey. I'm your host, Charles E. Smith Jr. This is an Inside Sports production, and here we are. It's 2018. This is Thursday, April 19th, just so that you can put into perspective everything we say today. And just in case you think we missed something, we may not have because you're listening to the broadcast a little bit later on. So Thursday, April 19th, what we have is uh, two teams eliminated. It's the end of hockey in Southern California, LA Kings, and the San Jose Sharks. I'm sorry, LA Kings and Anaheim Ducks both went down four zip in their opening round series. And let me go ahead and bring in the tearful gentleman in the background. Somewhere in a bunker in Eastern Canada. I can't say where. He's in some type of witness protection. But anyways, the fastest glove hand in the north. None other than Lightning Lonnie Schwartz. Lonnie, what's going on up there, man? Did I get the part of crying fans? <laughs> did I land the role? <laughs> you did, yes. Okay. Yes, okay. conspiracy yeah. theories. Uh, Gary Bettman wanted the Vegas Golden Knights to beat the Kings, and I guess uh, he wanted the Sharks to beat the Ducks. So that's why the uh, that's why the Sharks were able to outscore the Ducks 16-4 to over yeah. the course of their playoff series because uh, Gary Bettman wanted that. And the reason why the Golden Knights – were able to outscore the Kings seven to three is because Gary Bettman also wanted that. You yes. got that conspiracy. I've got that one. Yes. Although I'm not convinced Jonathan Quick got the memo on that conspiracy theory because <laughs> there is no goaltender in memory in the history of the National Hockey League that can go zero and four with the goals against average of what was it one point six five and a save percentage of 947 right hold on a minute so if i were to tell you without saying anybody win loss or anything so i got a goalie here all right i got a goalie he's doing all right here he's got a goals against average 1.65 947 this is a real easy sell you're gonna be like sold and you're like no he's the loser wait oh pardon yep and, and if the, the fix was in, he's kind of like Bucky Weaver in Eight Men Out, you know, with the uh, with the Chicago Black Sox scandal, the only player who actually wasn't in on it. So, yeah. hey, we're just having fun here, folks. There's no scandal. Uh, the Knights played a, a terrific series. In fact, what I think, one of the testaments to the Knights is something they said about uh, the Sharks head honcho, uh, Doug Wilson, the, their president or GM. He was saying that early in the season, the Sharks were having difficulties, and what he wanted to do was he told his team to pattern their game after the way the Golden Knights played. That's what he said, you know, just through observations. And you look at that, the way the Sharks were with the Ducks is the same way that the Golden Knights were with the Kings, and that is just the relentless forecheck. I mean, they beat the Kings. Honestly, I watched all the games. The Kings got beaten in all three zones. They did in uh, in – when the Kings were in their own zone, there was the relentless forecheck. There was chasing down pucks in the neutral zone. And then when the Knights were killing penalties, it was constant pressure. So the motion is there. There's no glide in their game. And it was it's tough to watch your team lose, you know, especially giving up only seven goals over the course of four games. It's, and, but, but, hey, the Knights did it. They took it to them. Yeah, they, they did. And, and – the offense on on the Kings just went no. Jeff Carter no points. Tyler Toffoli no points. Those are mm-hmm. two guys you expect some degree of production from. Drew Doughty 
no points, even with the one-game suspension. Right. So offense was nowhere to be seen. Jonathan Quick, like we've already established, conspiracy or not, and, and like you said, we're, we're just having fun with it. Exactly, yes. We're having fun with it. This is, like, this is like a Julia Roberts movie or a Mel Gibson movie, one or the other. It's just shits and giggles. I can say that word, right? That's okay? You, That's you can, yes, yes, yes. Okay. The internet is the Wild West. All right. I, I won't Try to get... keep it classy. Okay. I won't go gunnery Sergeant Hartman, by the way, who passed away last week, the god of coarse language, who would make any NHL chirp seem tame by comparison. Rest his soul. Any, anyhow, or, or as the Marines would say, sorry, Semper Fi. But getting back to the Kings, like, like we were talking about this. We thought, man, the offense was good this year. Kopitar went silent. Brown went silent. You know, these are guys who have been there before, but Vegas – just capitalizing on the small mistakes, which is the cliche of hockey. How do you win games? By capitalizing on the other team's mistakes. And they were brief, but they still managed to get. Right. Even so, and, and by the way, let's not forget, we mentioned Jonathan Quick's statistics. Mm. Marc-Andre Fleury on the other end of the ice, two shutouts. Yeah. And a save percentage of 977 and a goals against of 0.65. He has a gold against average of under one. Like that was the battle of battles for goaltending. I mean, I'm staying up late going, they're not going to be scoring. And if they are, it's not going to be easier. It's going to be some little mistake. And that's all it ended up being. And it was frustrating because I mean, in the last game, Anje, he comes right up the gut red zone. And Fleury just stands his ground and gets enough piece of the puck just to swat it to the corner. Like, I was looking at that going, Andre's got this. He's got he's got all this. He's still got the puck. <laughs> and then Fleury makes the save. I'm like, all right, game's over. Right there. Over. And there was the sweep. I, 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 we both picked the Kings, did we not? And We and did, yes. Eating a small piece of, of humble pie. It's okay. Yep. It's custard. Mm-hmm. It's tasty. It's not chocolate. So let's get it. You know what? <laughs> okay, that's, that's enough for the Kings. Let's get over to the Ducks. Uh, Briefly here, Ducks outscored 16-4 to in their series. And one of the things, when we talked about the analysis, and uh, here, here's how it, just these little things just, just come into play. The Ducks enter the season, we look at their back line, the, uh, the blue liners there. I mean, Hampus Lindholm, Sammy Bottman, Cam Fowler. Collectively, there was possibly not a better group of puck-moving defensemen in the league. What happens? Sammy Botnan gets traded to New Jersey because they need offense, so they pick up Adam Henry. That's fine, but they lose that off the back line. Then late in the season, Cam Fowler gets injured. So now they're down to the only pure puck mover on the blue line is Hampus Lindholm. And I think the Sharks took full advantage of that. They took it to him, outscored him 16-4 to over the course of the series, never let them generate any offense. And remember, when you can't get a smooth breakout, you don't get any speed going through the neutral zone. Therefore, you can't put the other team back on their heels. And that's really what happened here with the Ducks. And and the other thing that San Jose, I should add, that did they did very well was just make some good, smart passes and drove the net real hard, balanced the scoring pretty well. Pavelski, right. he's leading the team in scoring in the playoffs right now. But real and and you see the attack. I mean, you reminded me. How could I have even forgotten the beard? I almost feel shame. I quasi forgot about Sasquatch in <laughs> Brett Burns, and he's he's unloading shots from the point, helping to generate the offense. And and his, you hardly want to say back checking when it comes to a defenseman, but he's just so aggressive offensively. It's a marvel to watch how he gets back to his own zone, 
picks up his own rebound. Like he'll bounce it out. It'll go offside. He'll collect it and then, and then re-enter the zone. And you're watching right. that going, How, did that just happen? The guy is amazing on the back end. So, I mean, this is a team that's really got everything balanced out well. And, and of course, Martin Jones can't make light yes. of what he did. I and mean, there's been some good opportunities for the Anaheim Ducks to score, or had been, I should say. And, and he stood well in his crease. He's a playoff goaltender. He's done really well the last couple seasons in the in the sorry in the crease with San Jose. I, I really love his philosophy as a goalie coach. By the way, just something that he brought up a couple seasons ago when they made it to the Cup final. One of the things that resonated is how he said, "Technique be damned." My job is to stop the puck. So mentally speaking, he kind of allowed himself some forgiveness. If he doesn't look technically sound every save, he doesn't care. I mean. Look at, look at past goaltenders. Tim Thomas may be the most recent of examples, and then Dominic Hasek prior to that. I'd say Martin Jones isn't quite there, but the job is to stop the puck. Right. So give himself that kind of leeway. It was it was really remarkable to hear and a good mentality. So if you're a young netminder out there, I'm going to put my Don Cherry collar on, right? Young tenders out there, I tell you, I tell you. Give yourself some forgiveness if you don't use perfect technique every time. I tell you, just to stop the puck. It's to stop the puck, I tell you. At least I got That was beautiful, man. That was beautiful. Okay, let's get over to uh let's get over to the other division here. And um okay. This is the one that's kind of heartbreaking though. Even though, okay, Nashville is favored and we both thought it might be a sweep. But when I watch those games, Colorado, and for Colorado fans out there, I know it's painful, but trust me, the team is not that far away. When I watch this series, it's Nashville is jumping on every little mistake that Colorado makes. And Colorado makes a few little mistakes. They do. And not only that, but as we also talked about in the in the opening when we previewed everything, it was about the goaltending. You know, Jonathan Bernier – like I said, he can't hold up to the pressure. I watched him when he developed or didn't develop out here for the Kings. So, and you talk about technically sound. That was the thing about Bernier. A lot of people thought that he would beat out quick for the starting job because his technique was so good. And, you know, I was one of the few, I'll go ahead and say it, toot my own horn. I said at the time, back in 2010, 2011, I said, he will never put Jonathan Quick on the Bench. And I don't care how good his technique is. I will vouch for you on that because I've known you for like that long. Believe yeah. it or not, I've known you that long. I'm looking at some, I was looking at some old tax documents. That's why I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's tax season. Uh, not not a, a shameless plug for a, a tax company, by the way, that I, I have no affiliation with. So I'm not going to mention them. But and Hammond I, is going to start any, game five, by the way. They're, pardon me? Nashville is up 3-1, and actually Hammond is going to yes. get the starting goal in game five for Colorado. Yeah, and, and Colorado, as you mentioned, all the credit to them. A lot of people didn't pick them to even sniff at the playoffs. So here they are, and they're taking on President's Trophy winners in Nashville. And by the way, Pekka Rene winning his first road game in, what, like, what, six games or something ridiculous like that because he got he got wiped in Pittsburgh in the Stanley Cup final last year. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, he carried that over in one game into Colorado. But let's also not forget that, that Philip Forsberg, Philip Forsberg should have been, and I know we're going to be talking Eastern Conference on, on a separate cast here, but 
mean, this is a guy who would have looked spectacular in helping the Washington Capitals. But but instead, he's he's just he's just festering as the all time points leader in the playoffs for the Nashville Predators. Now, think of that. This one young kid, he's a stud and he's got two two highlight reel goals already in the first round that, in my estimation, could stand up to being still as the goal of the playoffs. That that goal yeah. where he just totally, totally embarrassed Gerard and then drove the net, lifted the stick through the lay. It was just embarrassing. But you felt it. And then you're like, he's going to score on this play. And he scored. And you're just like, man, this guy, if they make it to the finals again and win, this guy has got Con Smythe written on. And I hate prognosticating like that. You know that about me. But he can take over a game. That's how good Philip Forsberg has been already in the first round. So just watching how he's playing and taking over when he needs to, when he needs to, it's not just some fluff play when you're up seven, one, no, we need this goal. It's like, right. okay, skip, and just goes out and does it. It's, it's remarkable to watch. Well, let me ask you something though. When we talk about Pecorine, now when we look at the whole goal scored in the series, granted uh, four games played, but the total goals, the Preds have only outscored the Avalanche 16 to 13. The, the Preds, Giving up 13 goals over the course of those four games, I mean, any cause for alarm possibly in thinking maybe Pekka tighten things up a little bit here. There's also got to be an account, though, for the types of goals being scored. And again, when we talk about the Eastern Conference, this is going to play in heavily with the ills of, of Brian Elliott. But we'll we'll talk about that right. on the Eastern Conference side. But Pekka kind of fell victim to some of that, too. Some real, real quick lateral plays in the red zone, the slot right above the crease. That's what I refer to as the red zone. That's real hard to move laterally. Sometimes a puck's going to squeeze through an armpit. You don't want to. You want that closure technique-wise. But when you're making that quick dive across to make the save, you're kind of hedging your bets. And Pecorine's done that because of some of the plays that Colorado has generated in that red zone. I've, I've watched these goals, even when he got pulled, you're seeing some opportunities where it's more of a mercy pull. It's just like, you know what? Let's right. get the rest. And UC Soros did step in and did admirably. He made some tough saves. So that also gives confidence in the team to say, hey, look, I know Pekka might, might struggle, but if we put Soros in, we're going to be okay. At least he's going to sustain us. So there was there was kind of a, a yin and a yang to that game where Pekka got pulled. And then, of course, he did bounce back, kept him in the game. He made some real quality saves. So now they're up three to one after that after that big win in Colorado, and now they're heading back home to arguably the greatest arena in playoff hockey, Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. I, I got to give props to the Nashville fans, by the way. I know a lot of the bloggers. You know a lot of the good bloggers from there. They've gone on to the, the mainstream media as well, covering the team since day one. So so good on those guys and how that team has just done done spectacularly well as a franchise. And look at where they are now. Yep. Sorry, I got on a tangent there as a franchise because <laughs> I did, but look at just look at how how well they're playing and where they are and the expectation we have of this team to make it to the Stanley Cup final. And even though, like you said, they're, they're just finding that other gear at the right time, even though the scoring is close, it's just at the right time. Whether you win or lose, you know, whether you win, sorry, four three or four nothing, it's still a W. You're still moving on to the next round. There you go. So, and you know that's one of those things which I've seen with uh, a few Stanley Cup playoff 
championship teams over the years is there may be that struggle in round one, but they weather that storm and that team that lost, they wound up creating a monster. And from oh, that my. point on, they'll start to steamroll. Not necessarily saying that will happen with Nashville, but if they were ever vulnerable, it was in this first round, and it looks like Colorado just, uh, you know, they're not going to get it done. And head coach Jared Bednar, he was talking about it. He said, it's just a few little things that keep happening with Colorado. So as I said, Colorado, you and your fans, look, go ahead, look at this, and look toward the future. And remember, this is a young team, so Colorado is poised to actually be in the hunt for the next three to five years, I always put it in those terms, three to five years, probably do need to shore up the goaltending, uh, a couple other things. But as far as looking at the coach being in the, in the year he's in here, the team and everything, hey, it's going to look good going forward. And hockey has been restored in the Rocky Mountain State. Let's go ahead and say that. NHL yes. hockey restored. And let's and let's not omit the fact that that Nathan McKinnon had has recorded five points. So you've got, and, and you've been waiting for him to make that big impact as a player, the franchise player, not to mention Gabriel Landeskog registering six points. So it's not like the young guns that you're looking at for your future have been quiet. The guys that you're expecting to make that step up are doing it. So the foundation is performing. Like you just said, I'm going to piggyback on that and saying, good look for the franchise moving ahead where we thought it was like a tire fire where we were just pouring gasoline on and saying, well, it, it might burn out. Right? Yeah, so that's true. And we won't even get into how big a, uh, it just seems like, I don't want to throw him under the bus, but Matt Duchesne, what kind of a um, malignancy was he in the locker room? I guess we may never know those things come out as the years go on, but let's go ahead and move on to the last series here going on in the West, Minnesota wild and the Winnipeg jets. Um, Winnipeg up 3-1 right now. Josh Morrissey recently gets that one-game suspension for a really a vicious cross-check to the jaw of Eric Stahl. Now, this was during when Minnesota already had a five-on-four. They had the power play. Had they gotten this call, it would have been a five-on-three. They wound up losing this game in overtime, so you got to wonder. And the refs, I, I understand refs make, they, they miss calls. They're human like all the rest of us, but I'm sorry, with two referees, and a cross-check to the jaw, and nobody seeing it. And to me, I got to call out the refs on this one. Not saying conspiracy, but what I'm saying is it was gutless. That's what happened. The refs saw it. They were afraid to make that call at that time. That's why they didn't do it. I, I know that's what happened. And and we get caught up in the whole playoff hockey lingo. And that, and that, that bugs me because the adage of how officials put their whistles away and we don't want to affect the outcome of the game – I always come back to this because by not making the appropriate call, you are affecting Bingo. the outcome of the game. So you can't sit there and say by putting your whistles away, you're doing anyone any favors. That line doesn't work well with me. You're not treading water there. You're sinking like a stone. So I, I, I hate that adage and that tired old trope of we don't want to affect the outcome of the game. Make the call. Right, we'll understand that suspensions might be a little bit lighter. He, Morrissey is getting one game for it, and as we talked about before we went on air here, right. you know, they, we're not talking conspiracy theories here. You know, this should have maybe gotten more than one game because if Drew Doughty's was one game, that's what sets the bar. And Morrissey's actions, we both argued, were 
to the point that it, it probably could have been a three game suspension potentially. So exactly. And, and, it, and it even led to a play where, where Winnipeg ultimately took the game winning goal. Right. Right. Big shout out for Hellebuck who, who did get nominated for a Vesna, the Vesna, not uh, like they're giving three out, but <laughs> here, Pekka, here, Connor, did you guys get yet? Yeah, you know, and, and, Oh, don't forget about Brabovsky. When we talk about the Eastern Conference, he matters too. Don't forget about him. But sorry, I had uh like yes. everybody gets one. It's like being on Oprah. You get a Vesna. You get a Vesna. But you have to pay for it and the taxes. <laughs> I think it's. Uh, I don't know what's more disturbing here. Um, your tangent about the Vesna or the fact that uh, you just admitted to everyone that you regularly watch Oprah. I, I do not regularly watch. You watch the view. Or, I mean, you know. okay. Interview over. Interview over. Interview. Okay. Over. All right. Okay, everybody. So there we go. That's the Western Conference Hell, breakdown. No. Hellebuck helped make that game. I didn't want that to yes. go unnoticed. I really okay. honor Hellebuck, Vesna Trophy candidate, well earned, well deserved, and 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 nicking on the heels of your boy in L.A., Jonathan Quick, as the dominant American-born goaltender in the National Hockey League, an outstanding playoff debut for Connor Hellebuck. Yep. He seems to be the heir apparent. And we look at the goal scoring in the series and, you know, a lot closer than I think we had, we had anticipated goals 11 to nine in favor of Winnipeg, uh, Minnesota, not going down without a fight. What I did like was the bounce back in game three by Minnesota when it looked like Winnipeg was going to steamroll. And then uh, Minnesota goes out and curb stomps them six to two in game three, just to let them know. It's like, you know what? You may have a lot of talent, but we're not just going to lay down for you. So we'll, well by see. The way, speaking of talent, we, we can't forget to mention this. Their leading goal scorer in the playoffs, though, Zach Parise. Yeah. That guy can sneeze and he'll like twist a joint in his neck and he's done for the year. And this is a talented hockey player that they spent oodles of money on and a long-term deal along with Ryan Suter. And, and don't forget Suter, what he broke his femur. So like we're, you know, these are two major components down for the Minnesota wild. So it's, it's real hard to see that they aren't able to compete with two of their best players, but. And Zach Parise with a a fractured sternum. I mean, that that just sounds so incredibly painful. Yeah. It, I mean, that hurts to breathe, and you've got to play a full-out 15-minute hockey game, 20-minute hockey game. Good luck with that. He's not being a wuss because he said, oh, my sternum. <laughs> okay. All right, so there we go. Uh, like we said, Kings and Ducks swept uh, four and nothing, both of them, and still waiting on the other division here, Nashville and Colorado. Minnesota and Winnipeg. We'll see if there's any – maybe maybe Minnesota gets energized by this because Josh Morrissey is serving the suspension, so we'll see what happens there. But, uh, Lonnie, before we get on out of here, and, hey, everybody, if you're wanting the Eastern Conference, just look for that in the, in the feed on Podbean. Remember, you can download the Podbean app and take us wherever you want. You know, just find Inside Sports on there, Talking Hockey, and uh, you can just listen at work or in your car or wherever you may be. But before we check on out of here, uh, Mr. Schwartz, you have any uh, wisdom for the hockey-loving public out there? Well, I always try and impart this. And while we have seen some very lopsided series already in the West, we've, we've seen sweeps. I think we've, we've only really been off with one series, and that was Vegas and L.A. Otherwise, 
pretty sure we agreed that that San Jose was going to take theirs and that there's not going to be an upset between Colorado and Nashville. And and either way, Winnipeg is looking pretty damned impressive. They're going to take Minnesota too. So I, I want to say in the mutually congratulatory society of talking hockey, we did all right on the Western Conference so far. And and I got to say, though, that moving ahead, don't get too excited when it's a 2 nothing gap, right? <laughs> it drives me bananas. So, oh, series is over. Well, no, no, it's a seven-game series. You can start saying the fat lady's warming the chops up at the local opera if it's 3 nothing. You can say the brooms at the dollar store are in short supply. But when it's 2 nothing, just calm down. It's okay. Just stay level. It's at it's the three zero deficit that you start saying, yes, hyperventilation might be something acceptable. That, that's what I like to impart on people to not get too excited. And we're going to be moving ahead to the Eastern Conference on Talking Hockey. You just dropped that on, on the good listeners. So, so thank you for, for having me on Talking Hockey on Inside Sports. I'm going to shamelessly plug you right now because I can see it. You can find Charles at... The Inside Sports on Twitter. There we go. And you can find Lonnie at the Schwartz 5454 on Twitter. The Schwartz, that's S C H W A R T Z 5454. Nice plug. There we go. Okay, everybody. Thank you for watching. And throughout the playoffs, we'll be here every single week. The show is Talking Hockey. This is an Inside Sports production. So for Mr. Lonnie Schwartz, This is Charles E. Smith, Jr., and we will see you all next time. Frank here from Super BS, talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly.